0: Hope. Say it with me. Hope. Years ago, there was an experiment done to determine how hope affected those who were in impossible situations. They took laboratory rats and they placed one set in a tub of water and they placed another set in a tub of water. On the first set, they left them there and within an hour, all of the rats had drowned. But on the other tub, they would take the rats out occasionally and then they would put them back in. They would take them out occasionally and they would put them back in. And those rats lasted for 24 hours. They didn't last so much longer because they were given rest. They lasted because they had hope. Because they knew that someone had picked them up in the past, perhaps someone would pick them up and deliver them. Hope saw them through an impossible situation. Say it with me. Hope. 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 Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Russian author. He was placed in a Siberian prison work camp. He had to work every single day in the summer and the winter, in the scorching sun and in the freezing snow. He had to work. They had hardly any food to eat. They were given hardly any nourishment, but they had to work their fingers to a bone. And, and one day Solzhenitsyn had lost all hope. He felt like giving up. He felt like his life was not worth living anymore. And so he put his shovel on the ground. He sat down. He was ready to die. He knew that at any moment a guard would come and tell him to pick up his shovel. And when he didn't pick it up, that guard was most likely going to beat him to death. With his own shovel, he had seen the guards do it before, and he assumed that they would do it to him. But as he was sitting there with his head buried in his hands, he felt a presence. And he looked up, and there was this frail man that came up next to him. He picked up a stick, and in the dirt, he wrote with the stick the sign of the cross. And then the frail man left, and Solzhenitsyn was sitting there looking at the cross. And he said later on that as he was sitting there looking at the sign of the cross, he began to have hope again. Because he knew that whatever they did to him, he could make it because of what Jesus did on the cross. What is it that gives us the strength to endure an unjust prison? It's hope. Say it with me. Hope. Justin Martyr was martyred in the 2nd century along with six other Christians. He was beheaded because of his faith in Jesus Christ. This is what he said before they killed him and and the six others. He said, you can kill us, but you cannot do us any real harm. Since we do not place our hopes on the present, we are not troubled by being put to death. Since we will have to die somehow any case, what is it that causes a person to be able to face a martyr's death without fear? It's hope. Say it with me. Hope. Someone has said that you can live 40 days without food. You can live four days without water. You can live four minutes without air, but you can't even live four seconds without hope. You see, when we get discouraged, it's hope that lifts our spirits. When we're tempted to quit, it's hope that keeps us going. When we struggle with lingering illness, it's hope that, that allows us to persevere. When we're forced to sit back and wait, it's hope that gives us patience. When we feel trapped. It's hope that lets us know there's light at the end of the tunnel. When we feel abandoned and rejected and we feel all alone, hope reminds us that we're not all alone. When we have to endure the consequences of of bad decisions that we've made, it's hope that helps us recover. When we fear the worst and the worst comes, it is hope that allows us to know that God is still in control. And we, ha- and we have to say our final goodbyes to someone that we love is hope that gets us through the grief. Simply put, when life hurts and our dreams begin to fade, nothing helps like hope. Well, Webster's Dictionary defines hope this way. It says, Hope is a desire accompanied by expectation. Belief in fulfillment to expect with confidence. Without hope, survival is impossible. But with hope, there's always tomorrow. That's why the author of Hebrews says this. He says that hope is the anchor of our souls. It is hope that keeps us safe and secure. And that's what Easter is all about. Easter is all about hope. Now look at me. Listen very carefully. You see, if Easter isn't a reality, we have no hope. But if Easter is a reality, and it is We have hope not only for today, but for tomorrow and for eternity. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if it is in this life alone that we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. In other words, if the resurrection is not true, and you and I have placed our faith our trust, our hope in a resurrected Savior, then when we come to the end of our life, we should be pitied more than anyone else. But listen, the resurrection did happen. Easter is a reality, and because of it, we can have hope. Now, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. First Peter is found toward the end of your Bible. It is a book all about Hope. It's, it's a book about the hope that we can have because of Easter. I, we're going to focus in just a few minutes on verses 3 through 5. But before we do, I want to give you a little bit of background, if I can. We are told in verse 1 that Peter is who wrote this letter. And it says that Peter is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter was is one of those people that, that everybody really knows. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, a church attender, a non-church attender, or or something in between, you've probably heard of Peter. Peter was one of the very first who followed Jesus. He was a rough fisherman. But when he met Jesus, Jesus said, come follow me. And and the Bible says that Peter left everything behind and followed Jesus. And for three years, he walked with Jesus everywhere Jesus went. he, He saw Jesus... Heal the sick. He saw Jesus cast out demons. He saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw Jesus love the unlovable. He saw Jesus deal harshly with the self-righteous. And at the end of three years, Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world. He, He just didn't know all that that meant. And so as Jesus was Preparing his disciples for his death. He was letting them know that he was going to die for them. Peter said, Lord, I will die with you. And Jesus said, no, you won't. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me three times. And the Bible tells us that exactly what Peter said or Jesus said came true. Jesus saw Peter saw Jesus hanging on that cross and the Bible says that he wept bitterly because of his sin. He saw them take the lifeless body of Jesus off that cross. He, He saw Jesus buried in a borrowed tomb and all of his hope was gone. He had put his hope in a man that was now dead. But... But three days later, Jesus came out of that tomb. He came back to life, defeating death and defeating sin. And so here is Peter, knowing that Jesus is alive. And yet, the very last thing that Jesus saw Peter do was deny him. Not once, not twice, three times. Here was Peter, needing forgiveness, needing restoration, needing to know that there is still hope for his life. And Jesus gave it to him. Jesus forgave him, Jesus restored him, and Jesus commissioned him. And now, this same Peter is in a Roman prison. History tells us that that most likely in a matter of months, he is going to be put to death. Tradition tells us that he was, he was nailed to a cross upside down because he felt unworthy to die the way his savior died. And yet in this prison cell he is filled with hope. How was he filled with hope sitting in a prison knowing that death awaits because of the resurrection? And he is writing to people the Bible says who are believers who were scattered And they are scattered because of the persecution that they are facing. But Paul tells them, or Peter tells them in 1 Peter 4, that the persecution is going to get worse. He tells them about a fiery trial that is about to come upon them. And that occurred under Nero. And it continued for several centuries as as Christians were put to death in horrific ways. And yet Peter was telling them, It's coming, persecution, imprisonment, death, all of that awaits you. But don't be dismayed, don't be discouraged, you have hope. And and then he describes them. He says that they were the elect, they were chosen by God. Now I don't know how that makes you feel, but that makes me feel pretty good to know that God has chosen me. Because the fact of the matter is, most of us probably know what it's like not to be chosen at times. It may have began when we were on the playground as elementary school kids, and you know, we're choosing up teams, and they choose the most athletic kids first, and then they choose the popular kids, and then we're sitting there hoping that, that we will get chosen. Maybe it occurred when you were an elementary school child. Maybe it occurred when you were a teenager and, and it was prom or or there was some kind of party and, and everybody was talking about being invited and who they were going to go with and what they were going to wear, but but you never got invited. M- maybe it was as an adult and, and you tried desperately to fit into this group. You did everything you could to, to be a part, but... No no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't break into that group and and you just felt left out. You felt like you weren't chosen. I, I know what it's like to feel that way. And yet the Bible says that the God of this universe has chosen me as his very own. I mean, he just didn't choose me. I was his first round draft pick and you were too. You weren't his second choice or his third choice. You were his first choice. He chose you. And then the Bible says that they were not only the chosen, he said that they were strangers. Now that word is translated refugee in another translation. It literally means beside the people. It describes how we as believers relate to the world in which we live. The Bible says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We're kind of like expats. We are living in a foreign land, but we're not citizens of this land. The Bible says that we are citizens of heaven. And so here's Peter, a man who has experienced hope. And he's writing to people who need to know this hope. And beginning in verse 3, I want you to listen to what he says. Oh, it's good. Listen to it. It says, Praise be To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. In the last days. Now, now if you circle or underline or highlight phrases in your Bible, I want you to circle, highlight, underline that phrase, living hope. Because that's what Easter is all about. Easter is about a living hope. In these verses, Paul tells us, or Peter tells us, that because of Easter, we have hope from our past, we have hope for the future, and we have hope in the present. He tells us that because of Easter, we have the hope of forgiveness. We have hope of eternity. We have hope for the here and now. But hear me, it's not a hope-so hope. It is a no so hope. And so let me tell you the three things that you and I hope for because of Easter. The day we're celebrating right now. You see, because of Easter... I have the hope that my past is forgiven. Listen to what Peter says. He said, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. That word mercy means undeserved love. God has shown us undeserved love. While we were sinners, enemies of God, rebels against God, God loved us now let me ask you a question do you need forgiveness do you need a fresh start do you need a new beginning whether you think you do or not you do every one of us needs that because we're sinners we need it because we come from a bad family did you know that you come from a bad family Then don't get mad at me because every one of us come from a Bad family. Now, I'm not talking about the Allen family or or I'm not talking about the, the Purvis family. I'm not talking about the Clary family. I'm talking about the family of Adam. We all come from the family of Adam. And Adam was a wretched man. He was bad news. Here's what the Bible says about Adam. It says, sin entered the world through one man, Adam. And death came because of that one man, Adam. And because of that one man, Adam, we are all sinners. Each and every one of us. We were born into a wretched family. And because of that, we carry the tag of sinner. David said it this way. He said, in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, the moment I came out of my mother's womb, I was a sinner. Now, some of you sit back and say, no, not my baby wait a couple of years (laughs) you'll see what i'm saying is true i I was in toys r us yesterday i was i was um at a wedding up in the mountains and we were coming back home and we stopped in spartanburg at toys r us because we're flying to oklahoma to see our grandson noah this week and we wanted to get him a prize and so we stopped there to get him a thomas because he loves mamas now thomas the train you know you were parents probably know who thomas is but we got him a Thomas. And so we were up there at the, at the register ready to pay. And there was this mama with her little boy, two or three years old. And he was throwing a fit. Now, he wasn't throwing a fit. He was throwing a fit. I mean, he was ticked off. He was mad. He was aggravated. He was upset because he wanted something his mom would not give him. And he was mad. Now, did his mom teach him that? Probably not. I doubt, I doubt that he had ever seen his mom laying down on the floor, kicking and screaming because she didn't get something. Now, maybe, maybe, but I doubt it. So how did he learn that? He learned it because it's inside of him. That's that's who he is. That's why one of the first words we learn as children is, mine. We're selfish at our core. And you can deny it, you can doubt it, you can debate it, but it's a fact. It's a fact. It's just like if you've got cancer, you've got cancer. Whether the x-ray shows it or not, whether the CAT scan shows it or not, whether the doctor um, diagnoses it or not, it doesn't matter. If you've got it, you've got it. And you can deny it, but you're going to deny it all the way to your death. Because if you've got it, you've got it. And the Bible says we've all got sin. We're born that way. And here's the thing. Not only are we born that way, sooner or later, we're not going to sin because it's our nature. We're going to sin because we want to. You tracking with me? Are you with me? You see, when we're younger, we sin just because that's who we are. But we get older and all of a sudden we make sinful choices. There are sinful things that we want to do. And we know they're sinful. We know they're wrong. But we do them nevertheless. And we sin against God. And that's who we are. And because of that, we all need forgiveness from God. We all need a fresh start. Peter did. When he first met Jesus and realized who Jesus is, this is what he said. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. When he, when he heard that Jesus was alive, he ran to the tomb, but then he avoided Jesus because he was ashamed and he was embarrassed. He needed forgiveness, he, he needed a fresh start, he needed a new beginning. I did. I had an incredible upbringing. My parents loved me, they taught me right from wrong. They, they, they instilled the truth of God's word into me. But I, I made some horrible choices. During my teenage years, I lived in a way that was shameful. I did things that not only broke my parents' heart, it broke the heart of God. And, and I, I'm not even going to tell you the things I did because they were shameful. They were terrible. They were awful. But but one morning, about 2 o'clock in the morning in Charleston, South Carolina, I went out by a pond and I fell on my face before God. And I said, God, I need forgiving. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. And he forgave me. He gave me a fresh start. He gave me a new beginning. And, and here's the thing. Because of Easter, we can all have that fresh start. We can all have that new beginning. Why? Why can we have that? Well, listen to what it says in Isaiah 53. But He, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. But the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. When Jesus was on that cross, he took my sins upon himself. When he came out of that tomb, he defeated sin and death. And if I will humble myself before him and ask him to forgive me and ask him to change me and ask him to give me a new start, A brand new beginning. He will do it and He will do the same for you. Wouldn't you like to know that everything you've done in the past that you're ashamed of is forgiven? Wouldn't you like to know that right here, right now, you could reboot, start all over with a brand new slate? Well, because of the resurrection... You can. You see, because of the resurrection, our past is forgiven and we can start brand new. But second, because of the resurrection, our future is secure. Listen to what Peter says. He says, and and we've got an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It is kept in heaven for you. Now, I don't know whether you've ever received an inheritance or not. I don't know if you're planning on receiving an inheritance or not. But I know that whether or not you get one from an earthly Relative, you will receive an inheritance from your heavenly Father. He's got one waiting for you. Then I read some crazy stories about some inheritances this week. When New York hoteler Leona Hamsley died, she left $12 million to her dog. I was thinking, I can bark for $12 million. <laughs> I mean, I can growl. I, I'd, I, I would have to, get, I'd have to get permission from Sherry, but I'd probably roll over and let her rub my tummy. million. I don't know. I mean, $12 million to a dog. Crazy inheritance. I read about two brothers that were living in a cave in Hungary. They were living in a cave outside of Budapest, Hungary. They were collecting scraps to eat. They were not just homeless. They were hopeless. They didn't know it, but they had a grandmother that lived outside of Berlin, Germany... That was a gazillionaire. And when she died, German law says that any of your relatives receive some of your estate. And these two brothers that were living in a cave outside of Budapest, Hungary, received an inheritance of over 100 million euros. Now that's more than $100 million. It's a lot of money, isn't it? They received that from someone they didn't even know. But here's what I know. You, you may sit back and say, I'd like 12 million. I'd like 100 million. But here's the thing. The money disappears. The money is spent up. The money is blown. Oh, whatever someone leaves you in regard to an inheritance here on this earth is going to eventually spoil or perish or fade away. But the Bible says that the Lord has an inheritance for us that will never perish. It will never spoil. It is never fade away. It is kept under guard for you in heaven you see the inheritance that god has for us is eternal life in other words because of what jesus did on the cross there is something better for me on the other side of death than there is right now on this side of death death is nothing to be feared That's why the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who die or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We don't have to face death without hope. We know that death is not the end. I read a story this week about a man who was flying from Chicago to Los Angeles and he was talking to the woman who was sitting next to him. She was an attractive, well-dressed, articulate lady in her 40s. And and he asked her where she was from. She said, I'm from Palm Springs. And he was intrigued because he knew Palm Springs was a place where wealthy and famous people lived. And and so he said, well, how is Palm Springs? How would you describe Palm Springs? What is it like in Palm Springs? And this is what she said. She said, Palm Springs is a beautiful place filled with unhappy people. It's a beautiful place filled with unhappy people. And then then he asked, are you unhappy? And she said, yes. And he said, why? And, And this was her answer. I want you to listen. She said, I can answer it in one word, and that word is mortality. Until I was 40, I had perfect eyesight. Shortly after, I went to the doctor because I couldn't see as well as I could before, ever since that time, these corrective glasses have been assigned to me that not only are my eyes wearing out, but I'm wearing out. Someday I'm going to die, and I haven't really been happy since that day. Can I be honest with you? I don't see how anyone that doesn't have the hope we have in Christ can be happy knowing that we're going to face death. Because at the very best... Without Christ, death is the great unknown. At the worst, death is an eternity in hell. How could, we be un- How could we be happy knowing that we don't know or we do know and it's terrible? And can I tell you, you may not think it is, but death's coming. And the older you get, the faster it's running at you, amen? I mean, that's what I'm discovering. 55 this month. I know I don't look like it. I I know that. You're saying, wow, he's 55. Wow. 55 this month. And and I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting old. My dad's going to turn 80 this month. I was talking to my wife about two months ago and I said, babe, just dawned on me. In this next decade, there's a good chance that my mother or my father or both are going to be in heaven. It's just the reality. It's it's on, on the way. The older we get, the faster death runs toward us. And let me tell you, if you're not ready for it, it's going to be a terrifying thing. But if you know that because Jesus defeated sin and death, you too have something better on the other side, then death is not something to be feared. Let me tell you, look at me. Death is something that you can look forward to. I'm not wanting it to come to me today. But when it comes, I'm kind of excited. I'm ready. I've read about it. I've, I've, I've read how... It's described. I've I've read what it's going to be like for all eternity. And when I read that, I go, man, this is going to be amazing. How would anybody want to stay here when it's still cursed, when we can have that when the curse has been lifted? And we've got that. You see, because of Easter, my past has been forgiven. I've been given a new start, a new birth. Because of Easter, my future is secure. I have a home in heaven. And then finally, because of Easter, my present is protected. Listen to what Peter says. He says, who? Through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There are two important words there. The words are shielded and faith. You see, what Peter is saying is, it's our faith that shields us as we walk through life. A better translation of that word shielded here is protected. Because of our faith in Jesus, we can live a protected life on earth. Now, that doesn't mean that life's not going to get difficult. Life is going to get difficult. Bad things happen. Difficult things happen. Hurtful things happen, but in the midst of it, because of our faith, we know we're not alone. We know he's walking with us. And let me tell you, when our Lord Jesus, our big brother, is there with us, we have nothing to fear. Now, what about it? Would you like to know that your past is forgiven, you've been given a fresh start? Would you like to know that your future is secure? You have a home in heaven that is far better than anything here on this earth. Would you like to know that that in the midst of a difficult present, you're protected by the grace and the power of God who is with you? Well, because of the resurrection, because of Easter, you can have all of that. And you can have more. You see, that's what Easter is all about. But listen, it's not a hope so hope, it's a no so hope. Because there's some of you here today. If I ask you this question, do do you know that your sins have been forgiven? There are some of you that would say this. I hope so. If I ask you, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? Some of you would say, and I hope so. If I ask you, do you know that Jesus is going to walk with you through each of life's challenges? You would say, I hope so. And that's not the hope that Peter is talking about. The hope Peter is talking about is this. Do you know your sins have been forgiven? Absolutely. They were paid for on the cross. That's the hope. That Peter is talking about. Do you know that you have a home in heaven? Without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus has already bought it for me. Do you know that he will walk with you during the difficult challenges of life? You better believe I do because he's with me right now. That's the hope you can have in Jesus. It's not a wishful thinking hope. It's not a desire. It's a a knowledge based upon an experience you've had with the resurrected Lord. And so let me ask you, do you have the hope that can come only through Easter? The hope of sins forgiven and a new start. The the hope of a home waiting for you. The hope of a Savior who's going to walk through life with you. If you don't, then I beg you, I plead with you today, don't leave this place without experiencing the hope that comes because of Easter, the hope that only comes through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head with me? With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If if you're here this morning, you're saying, Rocky, I need that hope. I don't have it. But I need it, I want it, I long for it. Then I want to encourage you today to surrender your all to Jesus. Humble yourself before Him. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. Place your trust in Him alone. And He will turn your hope so into a no-so. And He will change everything. If that's what you need... And you're wanting to make that commitment this morning, you can pray this prayer with me right now. And it's not repeating some magical formulas, it's, it's making a commitment to Jesus. And if you would like to do that, you can pray this prayer to Him right now. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning acknowledging my sin. Please forgive me. I don't want to be in bondage to sin anymore. I want a fresh start. I want a new beginning. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave to give me that. To forgive my sins. To make me brand new. Save me. Change me. Give me a home in heaven. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Walk with me through life, I pray. Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for the promise that you will answer. Amen.